1: Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff.
0: Conservative, not bitter indeed. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk and education now that we've got our CNBU program headed uh, towards final production here. So good to have you. Thank you for joining us. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com. Slash show For those that want to watch the program live and or I should say or on demand so long as our friends at Twitter allow that to be the case. So we have an interview this morning and you all know when I have an interview, we talk with folks longer because I think that we, <laughs> we, have, we live in a soundbite culture, right? And, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that's what the left and the media want. They want people to be an inch deep, but trust them on issues that are a mile wide. The other is that, um, you know, I I think a lot of times when we have people on programs, uh, whether it's television or whatever, most of these times there's very short segments, and I think that that's very detrimental, very detrimental to... Actually, uh, diving in. So, we have what we have joining us this morning, Donald Rainwater. He's the candidate for governor here in the state of Indiana. He's a libertarian. And so, we talk about a few things. We talk um, about limited government, we talk about Governor Holcomb's response to COVID, what Mr. Rainwater would have done differently had he uh, been the governor of the great state of Indiana. And also talk, you know, one one of my questions, and I know I've got libertarian friends, and I, I stress that as friends in the audience. I'm conservative, but look, there are a lot of issues. I mean, the vast majority of things we, we agree on. There's just um I don't know, a couple of things that we would not completely agree on. But by and large, I mean they're you are if you're a libertarian, you are a I consider you a uh, brother or sister in the cause for limited uh, government. I think we're on the largely the same page for that. But one of the things I always want to know from from libertarians is how do we, you know, how do you overcome the power of the two party system? And is it better? Is it better to come in as a third party or is it better to regain control for the, the, the folks who believe in limited government to regain control of the Republican Party? So we talk about all those things today in our interview, which is going to be a two-parter here throughout this first hour of the program. And it was indeed a great pleasure uh, to have Donald Rainwater join us. I want to talk really quickly here. We may revisit this later in the program or in hour two. I'll I'll tell you at the beginning here, we have hour two streaming on YouTube. Um, Just search Todd Have Show on YouTube and you'll find us. And I normally say that at the end of the program, for those of you who may just be able to catch the beginning of the program may not know that, so hour two is also currently currently available on on YouTube. So that's where we'll get probably back to this and other issues of the day because of the interview with uh, Donald Rainwater. But I want to start here quickly, quickly being the key phrase here. Twitter puts a warning label on Trump tweet for the first time over mail-in ballots, but, admit, but admits no rules broken. Looking here at an article from Fox News. So the, the synopsis here is President Trump sends out a tweet uh, yesterday. Yesterday sends out a tweet, and the tweet basically criticizes the mail-in ballot procedure um, and how it's rife with opportunities for fraud. And Twitter deems it necessary to put a label on the tweet that basically says, what does it say exactly? Here it is. It's got a little exclamation point at the bottom it says get the facts about mail-in ballots so here is the trump tweet which went out yesterday morning just at the end of this program in fact as president trump was probably wrapping up listening to this program he sends out this tweet there is no way capital capital letters in parentheses zero with an exclamation point again in all caps there is no way, zero, that mail-in ballots will be anything less than substantially fraudulent. Mail in, uh, mailboxes will be robbed. Ballots will be forged and even illegally printed out and fraudulently signed. The governor of California is sending ballots uh, to millions of people. This is just the, the first tweet. And then he continues. I'm not going to read the whole thread, but you get the idea here. So, So Trump criticizes – I'll go ahead and read the whole thing. Anyone – living in in this state, this, the state of California, no matter who they are or how they got there, will get one. Of course, referring to uh, illegal immigrants. Um, that will be followed up with professionals telling all of these people, many of whom have never even thought of voting before, how and for whom to vote. This will be a rigged alleged, uh, election. No way. So Twitter puts up the get the facts about the mail-in ballot on the bottom of the tweet now, and then you click that, and there's other um, information. Oh, f- is this going to? I'm looking at this here. So it's got facts. I guess there's stories here. There's a story from the Hill. I, um, what you need to know, it says at the top, Trump falsely claimed. Now, how is this? How can this be false? How can this be a false claim that mail-in ballots would lead to a rigged election? I mean, that's an opinion. It's an opinion that says that there's more opportunity for fraud. How is that? I don't even know how that constitutes an opinion. Of course, there's more room for fraud when you send out ballots. I'm not saying that there's going to be who knows what degree, but of course, we don't even need a study for this. This is like saying if you hold your breath. Um, you're going to get less oxygen to your body, right? I mean, this this is pretty obvious. If you send out ballots, it doesn't mean necessarily that there's that there's going to be, you know, wide scale fraud. There, of course, there's going to be more opportunities for fraud when ballots are floating around. How is this? How, how is this even remotely controversial? Well, it's, it's controversial because this is the direction that folks are wanting to move us in the Democrat Party to send everyone a ballot to their mailbox directly. Every state has to comply. This is what they want. Federal orders to do so. And Trump says, look, this is this is asking for opportunities of fraud. These are going to everybody. These are going to end up in the hands of, of illegal immigrants. Do you not think it's easier for someone to vote as an illegal illegal immigrant, illegal alien, if they are getting a ballot by mail versus having to show a voter ID at the Polling place? How is this? How is this even controversial? It's controversial because this is what they want. They believe that the more ballots they can get out there, the more people they can get. uh, To to there's going to be people, folks, that collect these. They're going to fill these out for people. How is this even not? How how? Why does it need fact checked? It needs fact checked because Twitter. Again, they're wanting you to believe that there's no there's no reason to believe that there's any fraud with this. I mean, that's like saying if you leave you know, a $50 bill on your front porch that there's going to be more theft. Of course, that doesn't mean everyone's going to get ripped off. It means somebody's going to come along to some of these places and take the $50 bill. How is this, again, controversial? To me, this is as clear and obvious as the noonday sun. Now, maybe... Maybe there's safeguards, maybe there's ways to make it less problematic, but just to put ballots out into the mainstream to every home in America and to think that no one anywhere is going to have any fraudulent activity whatsoever is incredibly naive. I don't care what any study says at this point. What's a study going to prove? I mean, it's just it's just when you make ballots easier to access, fraud is going to be easier to commit. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory to me. Anyway. We'll probably return to this, but I wanted to get this out there earlier uh, early in the program in case you haven't seen this or heard this. This I mean again, Twitter is putting <clears throat> fact-checked uh, fact-check links on Trump's tweets now. At least these two. Because apparently you need to uh, fact-check that ballots going to everyone uh, could create more opportunities for fraud. Anyway, going to take a timeout. Going to it's an early timeout. I want to get this full conversation with Donald Rainwater, Libertarian Governor for the state of Indiana, in so that's going to be uh, something I've got to take a quick break here early for. So sit tight. When we get back, I want to share my interview with Doctor, excuse me, Donald Rainwater, uh, Libertarian Governor for the state of Indiana. When we get back, you're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host Todd Huff. Back in, back in just a minute. Welcome back. And by the way, this program is brought to you by the good folks at AIA Insurance. You can call them with your insurance needs questions, 317-718-1747, or visit them online, AIA, the number four, lowrates.com, AIA4, lowrates.com. That's the number four. Be sure to tell them that Todd sent you. So I want to share... This conversation I had with Donald Rainwater, Libertarian Governor candidate here in the state of Indiana. Couple of a uh, couple of segments here with Mister Rainwater. Sit tight and uh, hope you enjoy this conversation. Well, I know that COVID has been uh, the the news story, the narrative for some time, and, and rightfully so. There's a lot of things to to consider, all sorts of things going on with COVID, government responses, but we've, believe it or not, got an election. Coming up here, so it's my good pleasure today to welcome to the program Donald Rainwater. He is the Libertarian candidate for governor, at the great state of Indiana. Mr. Rainwater, welcome to the program. How are you today, sir? Uh,
1: I'm fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for uh, allowing me to take the time to uh, speak to you today. I really appreciate it.
0: Well, it's an important thing, and as as I shared with you off air, one of the things that drives me nuts. Um, in today's culture is that we become a soundbite culture. And one of the reasons for that is we don't give folks time to articulate. We're a mile wide and an inch deep, so to speak. And so I want to go a little bit deep with you, let you explain some ideas and some things that you think are important and how you think we can get there. So I want to start, Mr. Rainwater, by asking you to define, just for our listeners, what it means to be libertarian.
1: Well, I think that's an excellent question to start off with. And I believe in a very uh, big-tent sense that being a libertarian means that I want maximum individual freedoms and minimum government. Uh, I am a – what I – referred to as a pragmatic or practical libertarian, where I know that it has taken us approximately 275 years to get to the place we're at versus uh, where the founders started us. And I believe that we need to go back the other direction uh, more toward Uh, Individual freedom, individual rights, Um, I believe that both Thomas Jefferson and James Madison uh, were libertarian-minded individuals, and Thomas Jefferson uh, wrote in the Declaration of Independence uh, about the unalienable rights and that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. So I believe it's very important for us in a liberty society, those of us who want to uh, maintain our freedoms, to grab onto that concept that uh, that's what government's job is and that we need to rein government in. We need to keep government on focus. And that means that government's job is to secure our individual rights and not much else.
0: Well, you won't find any, I mean, you're speaking my language and the language of many uh, folks listening to this program, but I I call myself a conservative. And so, in fact, our tagline is conservative, not bitter. And it's interesting. I mean, it's hard to, um, sometimes these definitions carry connotations with different people and There's a lot of overlap, and I think there's a lot of overlap. In fact, we would probably agree on a lot of stuff, uh, Mr. Rainwater. So let me ask you this. What shared principles, values do you believe that conservatives and libertarians have?
1: Well, I think uh, for for the most part, uh, I believe that uh, if I talk to someone such as yourself – I believe that we both agree that, uh, first of all, we don't live in a democracy. We live in a constitutional republic. Amen, brother. And that the Constitution was written to restrict the authority of government. Uh, I believe that uh, whether you call yourself a, a fiscal conservative or a libertarian or or how you label it necessarily, I think there's a joint agreement that taxes uh, should be as low as possible if not non-existent. You know, the, the dream is uh, zero taxes. Uh, here again, pragmatically, uh, we're a long way from figuring that out. But what we can do, and I think what fiscal conservatives libertarians, uh, whatever, here again, whatever you would like to call it. Uh, I believe that we all agree that uh, we need to hold our government responsible for what they take from us and how they spend it. Uh, I believe we need to be re- um, make them accountable for the debt that they incur and why they incur it. Uh, I b- strongly believe, uh, for example, um, there are nine states in the United States of America that have no personal income tax. Mm-hmm. I intend to make Indiana number 10. Uh, I believe one of the best ways uh, that government can truly spur economic growth is to let people keep their money. There you go. <laughs> let them decide how to spend it. Let them um, – I'm a huge believer in the idea that regardless of what the purpose of an organization is, private organizations should not receive government funding. If you want to donate to a particular organization, that's your choice, and government should not make that for you. And so, therefore, uh, I believe that from a – Here again, whether you call it libertarian or conservative, I believe we all want to see a uh, government at every level, uh, municipal, county, state, federal, that uh, only collects what it absolutely needs. I believe it was, uh, I want to say it was Calvin Coolidge that said that Anytime the government collects more taxes than it absolutely needs, that it's robbery.
0: Mm-hmm. He he definitely um, had some. Uh, was one that that kept that in mind and, and was uh, principled on that for for sure.
1: Yes, and so to me that is a very uh, important part of um, here again the the anybody who considers themselves. Uh, fiscally responsible from a government standpoint Uh, whether you're a blue dog Democrat, whether you're a conservative, whether you're a libertarian uh, it it doesn't matter if if you think that government needs to uh, cut spending and debt um, I'm your guy because I think that's a very libertarian principle Uh, I believe that Protecting the Bill of Rights uh, is something that is shared between conservatives and libertarians. Uh, I believe that you uh, have a First Amendment to protect the rights of people you don't agree with,
0: Absolutely. not just the
1: ones you do agree with.
0: Absolutely, uh, I
1: believe that the Second Amendment is there so that I cannot. It's not there so that I can so that I can hunt. It's not there so that I can protect myself from someone breaking into my house, although I can do those things. The purpose of that Second Amendment is so that I can protect myself against a government that becomes too powerful and decides that it's going to take away my rights. That's why the Second Amendment is so important. And I believe that libertarians, Republicans, Republicans, uh, Democrats. I believe that that there are people all over the political spectrum that understand that and agree with that. And here again, I believe we should have a constitutional carry amendment in the state of Indiana's constitution and that uh, I should not have to pay the government or ask the government's permission in order to exercise an inalienable right. So I believe that's an area where we share
0: well we've touched on several several issues there and i appreciate you doing that because that uh, that helps people kind of understand because you know there, there's sometimes people attach a certain particular issue with a with you know libertarian conservatism whatever it is and so that's uh, that's that's a helpful thing to do so i i want to take a break here just for the sake of time and when we get back sure. i want to continue this conversation but i want to shift a little bit um, to maybe what's going on in the state, especially in response to Governor Holcomb's response to COVID, maybe what you would have done had you been governor, uh, and things along that line. So, if you can sit tight, uh, Mr. Rainwater, we'll uh, continue this conversation in just a minute. Sound good?
1: Yes, sir. That would be great. I'm with
0: Donald Rainwater, Libertarian candidate for governor of the great state of Indiana. Sit tight. Be back in just a minute. Welcome back. So, hope you are enjoying our discussion with Donald Rainwater. Again, he's running for governor of the great state of Indiana as a libertarian candidate. And I'll get – again, this will be a really short segment as we've got to keep things on the uh, the clock here to stay on track to keep uh, – to get this entire conversation in with, with uh, Mr. Rainwater. Um, but I will – let me say this. We have – we, whether we're, we call ourselves conservative, libertarian, uh, just I, folks who believe in the ideas the principles of principles of limited government, we have a big task on our hands, right? We have folks all around us, whether they are Democrats, whether they are in some cases Republicans, who are all... In on this idea of growing government, as I've said on this program before, the 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 natural, I guess, inclination of mankind of humanity is to grow that which humanity is working on. So if you have a business, the idea is to just to grow it. Um, if you have property, when you come in and you you build a home, we we make improvements to it, right? We. Clean out the land if we're, you know, if we're on a larger property. Um, we get rid of the things that are not in good health, like trees that are – you know if you have trees, old trees on your property, dying trees, you clean those out. You make improvements. You make business improvements. So it's, it's in our nature to grow things, and so that's not a bad th- – actually, those are all good things. The problem is government is force. And so we have to figure out a way to give the government the proper authority that we've given to them, not vice versa. And but to find a way to keep that government from growing, because the natural inclination of mankind is to grow things. And on top of that, on top of that, when power is involved, as it is in government, um, absolute power corrupts absolutely. So we've got to be very, very vigilant against this. Against this concept of growing government. And we've got to find a way to, to make sure that that voice is prevalent in, in our government. So I appreciate uh, the things that Mr. Rainwater's had to say to us in the first segment. We'll continue and share his second uh, – the second half of our interview with him after this break. I've got to take a quick time out. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So I've got to get back to this interview to fit this entire conversation in. So again, we're with Donald Rainwater, libertarian candidate for governor in the great state of Indiana. Hope you enjoy. I am with Donald Rainwater. He is the libertarian candidate for governor, the great state of Indiana. We've been talking about uh, some fundamental, I guess, principles and um similarities even between libertarianism, conservatism, limited government, all these sorts of things. So I want to shift gears a tad bit here, uh, Mr. Rainwater, and ask you how you evaluate Governor Holcomb's response to the COVID-19 crisis.
1: Well, I I think if, if we look at it from a letter grade, I'd give him an F. And I would say that Uh, Strictly from the perspective that here again, uh, as someone who believes in a liberty society and the importance of government um, securing and safeguarding individual rights and freedoms, uh, I feel that uh, a government uh, dictated unilaterally, uh, ordered through uh, Governor's executive orders, uh, lockdown of some businesses completely, other businesses partially. Uh, The use of phrases such as essential and non-essential or um, businesses providing the necessities of life uh, creates a complete and utter overreach of government's authority and responsibility In a constitutional republic and I believe that uh, by doing so he basically infringed upon the rights of every citizen in the state of Indiana because what he said was I will decide for you whether or not you can continue to work whether you can where you can work when you can work And whether you have a business that will be open or closed, how you'll operate, and as a matter of fact, uh, when we look at what uh, he has labeled as the roadmap to reopen, uh, we're not reopening at all. What we're doing is uh, staying closed until July 1st, and he's picking some people That are going to be able to go ahead and open up, uh, hopefully, uh, to quiet them a little bit. That's my opinion.
0: So how would you have handled this differently um, had you been governor?
1: Absolutely. So first of all, I believe that in a society such as what we say we want to have, government must trust the citizens. So that the citizens will trust the government. Today we have neither. But what we, what we really should have had and what I would have done is I would have had our uh, medical professionals, our folks from the State Department of Health uh, and also from the private sector, help to inform and educate the citizens of the state of Indiana. Here's the crisis. Here are the issues at hand. Here are the things that you can do to uh, keep yourself safe, keep your family safe, um, help keep others safe, and then trust the citizens of the state of Indiana to do what they feel they need to do to keep themselves safe. Because I just don't believe that the current governor, myself, or anyone else has the right under any of the documents that our government is founded upon and based upon to tell the entire citizenry, here's what you'll do, here's who wins, here's who loses. Uh, I I believe that uh, using terminology such as follow the science or we're doing things that are data-driven are not supported by what's the decisions that have been made. I personally do not believe that you're any safer walking into a Walmart than you would be walking into um, uh,
0: a gym, for example.
1: Let's say a a gym, for Mm -hmm. example. Or um, here's one of the examples that really, really frustrated me, and I thought this was very poignant. Uh, At one point, uh, the governor said that Office Depot needed to remain open because they provided the necessities of life for people who were going to be working from home and needed to buy supplies. So you could walk into an office depot and shop there as normal. However, a Joanne fabric was not essential, did not provide the necessities of life. So the only way you could shop there was through, pardon me, through curb service. Well, I immediately thought, how short-sighted is that? Because if you're a seamstress who works from home, the supplies that you need to work from home, your necessities of life are at Joanne Fabric. (laughs) So what you just did was you just told that person, you're not as important as this person is. And I believe that all Hoosiers are essential. I also believe that every business in Indiana Provides the necessities of life to those who depend upon it for their livelihood, and to say anything else is just completely tone deaf to reality. No, mm-hmm. so that's my opinion.
0: Well, and I, I think to 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 go along with that, it seems as though the governments looked at this, the state, the other states too, have looked at this backwards. They're saying, "Well, we think that buying food is more essential than." Getting a massage or whatever you want to insert there, but in my from my perspective, as you know, you have to look at this from the perspective of the people that are providing the service. If if I have a job or a business, it is essential for me. <laughs> it is essential for me, that's right. right? And so
1: that's right, absolutely.
0: And and that's been totally neglected here. There's lots of things that, that's true that you bring up that I want to get into. I just don't have time. I want to ask you this though. I want to ask you, what do you say? To those who believe that voting for the Libertarian candidate actually helps the Democrat Party, and while there's certainly problems with both parties, someone like myself would say, hey man, out of the two, (laughs) the, the Democrat Party is a lot worse. So. What do you say to someone who says voting libertarian polls votes from Republicans and in a close, you know, divisive state, uh, that can actually help the, the Democrat win an election? What, what do you say to that, Mr. Rainwater?
1: Well, I, I will tell you that I hear both sides say the same thing. And my, my, my response to that in, in all seriousness, and, and to be as genuine as I can, is if everyone I've ever spoken to who said, I'd vote Libertarian, but I'm afraid that I'm taking a vote away from a Republican and the Democrat's going to get elected, or I'm taking a vote away from a Democrat and a, uh, and a Republican's going to get elected. If everyone who said that actually voted Libertarian, the Libertarian would get elected. I've firmly believe that that is a uh, that is a narrative perpetrated by the two old parties because they're scared to death that people are starting to realize that neither party represents them that neither party is securing their individual rights. Both parties are uh, exploding the size and scope of government. Uh, I can tell you that I have spoken with dozens of people already who have told me they voted Republican uh, all their lives, but that... They feel that if they vote for Eric Holcomb, they're voting for a Democrat because he legisl- uh, he he governs as a Democrat. And they want somebody who will honestly and fervently govern the way they campaign. And I can tell you that because I don't get $50,000 donations – from companies looking to get $17.9 million contracts from the state Mm -hmm. that I won't be beholden to them and that I will do what's best for the citizens of Indiana based on the Indiana and U.S. constitutions and I will secure the rights of the individual and I won't be the person who... uh, panders during the campaign and says all the right things, and then does what somebody else tells him once they get elected.
0: Yeah, we see an awful lot of that, regardless of party, people with, with good intentions, uh, <laughs> seemingly good intentions, they get to D.C. or somewhere else, and they totally abandon those principles. This is a variation maybe of that question, and I'm uh, running out of time here, but, but I feel like it's it needs to be asked in this way too. So um, not just you know, from running as a third-party candidate, whether you'll take Republican vote or excuse me, uh, yeah, Republican votes and mm-hmm. you know help the Democrat. Sure. What what do you say to those who believe that the best way for limited government folks, whatever you call them, libertarian, conservative, what have you? Mm-hmm. What do you say to those who say the best path? To do that is to regain control of the Republican Party versus come in at third party. How do you – how do you, and it's? I get a similar question, but it's slightly different. How do you address that?
1: Well, I, I will address that with uh, the the proof that that we saw during uh, the last couple of months. First of all, um, there was a gentleman in Westfield who. Went out and got the signatures necessary, under my understanding, the signatures necessary to run in the primary against uh, the incumbent governor and the state Republican Party, who is uh, basically chaired by uh, the incumbent governor's campaign manager, found a way to invalidate that challenger's signatures so that he could not run against the incumbent in the primary. (laughs) And I will tell you that in my opinion, as long as that is something that can happen, the only way that people of good conscience will be able to change What's wrong with our political system in the state of Indiana is to do something radical enough to make everybody wake up and realize that they better get themselves straight. And I tell you that as somebody who was predominantly voting Republican up until 2016, Mm -hmm. when I decided that I could no longer support a group of people who said they stood for something, but then governed in just the opposite way. Uh, when it, when you vote for people who say that they are for limited government and fiscal responsibility, and they go in and they start raising taxes, uh, for example, our, our gasoline excise tax is now indexed for inflation and in the hands of the state department of revenue which means every year they can raise that tax a penny without anybody voting on it mm-hmm. and uh, i look back at our you know our forefathers and say they threw a tea party to stop taxation without representation but here in indiana the Republican supermajority not only let it happen, they did it. And so I I, I really honestly believe that the only way to get the, uh, whether you want to call them the the political elites, the political establishment, uh, whatever moniker you want to attach to them, the only way to wake them up is to actually step out and say, you know what? We're done with you people till you straighten up your act.
0: Well, I understand where you're coming from on that, uh, Mr. Rainwater. Again, I'm with Donald Rainwater, Libertarian candidate for governor of the state of Indiana. I'm out of time here. I wish we could talk more. I'm simply out of time. Tell folks if they want to get involved with the campaign, if they want to learn more about your platform, your agenda, or you personally, how might they do that?
1: Absolutely. Uh, you can go to dot. Uh, rainwaterforindiana.com and find out whatever you would like to find out. If you'd like to ask me questions, you can go to the contact page and uh, fill out a message there. Those come directly to me and I answer uh, just about all of them myself.
0: Well, I appreciate you taking the time, sir. It's a pleasure to Uh, to speak with you. I appreciate you sharing your ideas, answering some of the questions that I'm sure you've run into. And there's many more we just don't have time to get to today. But again, I thank you very much for your time today.
1: I I thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
0: Again, that's Donald Rainwater, Libertarian candidate for the governor of Indiana running here. Believe it or not, we've got an election coming up. I know it's uh, sneaking up on us here with all that's going on. But Appreciate him joining the program. You're listening to Conservative, Not Bitter Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that. <clears throat> excuse me, conversation with Donald Rainwater, Libertarian candidate for governor here in the great state of indiana i appreciate him coming on and uh talking with us it's uh look these this fight for limited government this fight for liberty is it's going to be a never-ending battle and i know some folks have a hard time i guess accepting that or wanting to deal with that they kind of want to have this fight and then move on to something else but that's just not the nature of it the nature of it is that we have to fight continually, continually to protect our rights, our liberties, and to make sure government does not expand or continue to expand as it has been for all these years. But anyway, I appreciate him coming on. We're going to be jumping over to YouTube, YouTube, hour number two of the program to search for Todd Huff Show there. Guys, I appreciate you listening very much. Hour number one in the books, SDG. See you in a few.